Welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Make sure you check out last week's episode with Coach Aaron Parr as he talked about building your high school program. A lot of great nuggets of wisdom he shared with us there. I want to thank our sponsors, Dr. Dish and Interpro Sports. Make sure you check out both their websites at Dr. Dish B-Ball on all your social media and interpro.com. I want to remind you that we're less than two weeks away from the Peach State Coaches Clinic at Gordon Lee High School in Chickamauga, Georgia. We are blessed with a great group of speakers and topics that coaches at all levels can learn from. Same staff discounts, lunches provided. It'll be a great clinic. Go to unitedbasketballclinics.com and you can register you and your staff. Also, stay tuned. We're going to make big announcements for the Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic in the next week or so. It's going to be a great clinic. A rock star lineup of coaches have committed to speaking on the floor instruction in the most famous gym in the country where the movie Hoosiers was filmed. You don't want to miss this clinic, so stay tuned for that. Now let's get to the podcast with Coach Brooklyn Kohlheim. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. I want to welcome Brooklyn Kohlheim from Mercyhurst University. Thanks for coming on, Coach. Thank you for having me. Well, yeah, before we started recording, we were both talking about how our seasons, we played some games, but it was a bit stressful in the COVID uh, season of 2020 and 21. Um, but we both got some games in, something to be thankful for, although it was a stressful uh, season. What lessons do you think your players, you think, learned going through this season? Like, was it, did it help build unity? I think we we're really fortunate. This is my second year. So, um, you know, this is the second year was the COVID year. So we had all these like high hopes. We have seven new players coming in. So everybody's like, Oh, we're going to look different. And then COVID hits and it kind of like for a split second felt like everything came to a screeching halt because we didn't know if we were going to play or if we were the part of the schools that were going to opt out. And we went in front of our team and we're like, do you guys even feel comfortable playing? Do you feel safe playing? And like, you know, we're kind of like a New England state. So everybody was like pretty skittish at first. And, you know, they we kind of had some interesting dialogues, but we're extremely fortunate to have some really, really good leaders on the team. So, um, you know, I, I, I think our leadership that we've developed over the last year and a half has been just stellar. And they kind of leaned in and were like, coach, we got it. And they kind of put together their own standards, what they're going to abide by. Listen, we can eat out, but you guys got to eat outdoors. If you know anything about Erie, Pennsylvania, doesn't last long eating outdoors because it just pummeled with snow. So, but they kind of came up with their own standards and, and stuff. So I think we, what we learned out of this year was just our leadership is, they just had so many opportunities to lead each other and listen to each other and, and come together through that. We had some pretty big obstacles in, in this year. One of our players um, has cancer, so go through that. And then one of our other players lost her mom to cancer. So I think like, yeah, COVID brought us together, but like life just brought us together. Um, and we were pretty flexible. So, you know, we kind of, we learned a lot from each other by just going through life. Yeah, and I want to go back. I should have mentioned this earlier just for the listener. And 
I don't think Coach Kohlheim remembers this, maybe briefly, but I first met Coach. I was volunteering at a PGC Glacier Clinic in Atlanta, and you were speaking. I was the guy running the room, introducing speakers, getting you coffee, getting you water or whatever. And I remember the talk you gave about high fives and body language and all that. I was like, man, this lady's awesome. And then I followed you at Nova Southeastern and, and what you were doing on there and some really good seasons. And then you got the head job, and I was really happy for you. So I've, I've heard Coach talk about culture before, and I was really impressed. And that's kind of what we're going to uh, dive into now. So uh, Coach was a assistant on a fairly successful team, Nova Southeastern down in Fort Lauderdale. and what what's it like being the assistant coach as you're enforcing the culture, I guess, of the program and the head coach, and then you take the head job and now you are establishing the culture. What is the dynamics of a first assistant coach versus a head coach? You know, as the assistant, you're everybody's friend, you know, you're the good guy. Everybody's going to you coach got candy, you know, and and typically like the head coach, it's like, you don't have, it's not avoidance by any means, but it's just a different level of like security and trust and stuff. So, um, I think that was honestly, that's, that was a really big adjustment for me because I am a very relationship based coach. Um, and once I kind of figured out that as a head coach, you have to grow and mature in certain areas when you, when you slide a seat over, but you don't have to change who you are. And if you're a relationship based coach as an assistant, then that's kind of who you should be as a, as a head coach. So there are like a lot of similarities, um, but there's a lot of differences. You know, I, I never truthfully wanted to be a head coach. I can't kind of just, it was like a good offer. Like it was such an, a, an incredible offer. If you see our campus, if you see our, our community is incredible. The people on campus are great and we're funded to win. So it was like an offer I couldn't really refuse. Um, and I'm kind of, uh, it was very uncomfortable for me, but um, I'm, I'm extremely happy that I made the jump. Um, you know, when you're, when you're an assistant, I was fortunate enough to work for a lady that gave me a lot of freedom. So, you know, she, she kind of was, she was relationship-based, but what, not as much as I was. She was super in, introverted and I was the extrovert. So like, it wasn't like I was doing the sales pitch on recruiting calls, but I was wailing and dealing with mom, you know, like I'm in the thick of things. So it's kind of like my personality. I'm, I'm pretty energetic. And, and she kind of gave me a lot of freedom, which, which led to, you know, us in the touches and, and being a good teammate and, and kind of tracking our huddles and stuff like that. But, you know, when you go to be a head coach, you just never can have a day off when you're implementing a culture you know, as an assistant coach, you can keep, take a couple of days off, like with maybe your attitude, maybe you're a little tired, you know, or you just got off the road recruiting and you got practice or something like that. Like as a head coach, if you're inconsistent, they will call it out in a heart. Um, and if you don't spend every day talking about what it is to be a player in your program, it, it's got to be, it's just got to be instilled every single day. Um, whereas as a head or as an assistant coach, you can, you know, you can kind of just take some days off, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, um, with, I, I was just fortunate enough to learn from two really good coaches. I, I, I actually served, um, under Kim Cameron at Michigan tech an extremely, um, championship oriented culture and, you know, learned a lot from her as well. Um, and I think she helped me kind of make the jump from the seat over. So. 
um, yeah, I mean, I think that that like there's differences, um, but there's just a ton of similarities, especially if you know who you are as a person. So with your program, do you have these, and everyone has different buzzwords, cultural absolutes or pillars or, or whatever you want to call them, but do you have some core foundations? Yeah. Um, I mean, we talk, we're, I like to joke around a little bit and, and it is, it is a joke. So, but like, we do kind of like brainwashing them a little bit. So we put like imagery up in film, movie um, scenes into our film. We have imagery all over our locker room. Um, our core values are all over every scout. Um, our, our main, um, like our main cultural, cultural like insignia is MTXE. So um, it's even in our uniform, don't tell my AD because I don't think he knows it, but it's like the same color, just a lighter shade and he hasn't caught on to it yet. But like, I'm telling you, it's like subliminal messaging on that we can do. Um, we break every huddle with it. I actually stole that from Wichita State, like back in the 80s, um, MTXE is mental toughness, extra effort. And we just talk about that every single day, like our toughness isn't necessarily um, like, I'm not going to ever expect for you to run through a brick wall. Um, our toughness is being a good person when things aren't going your way. Our toughness is you miss a shot, you're going to get the next one, but you don't, you know, have a hissy fit about it. Um, and it takes a lot of extra effort to get to that point of being mentally tough, but it's, we just talk about quality decision-making more than, um, maybe what like mental toughness, extra effort actually embodies. Okay. I want to go back to what you said earlier, because I know a ton of small college and high school coaches listen to, listen to the podcast and they're thinking about when you talk about imagery in the, in the locker room and in your scouts, and we'll talk about the film in a minute as well. Is that just talk about what's in your locker room and, and why it's so important that you think this in front of the players every single time they walk in and walk out. Okay, so it's a lot. Um, so right when you walk in our locker room, and I've stolen from everybody. So, yeah. you know, I, I've never... And we're all going to steal from you. So this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. This is perfect. So right when you walk into our locker you uh, locker room, you open up, there's like a hallway door. So you open up the first door and we stole Brad Stevens' blank banner that he puts up in his practice gym. So we have a Mercyhurst blank banner. And the beginning, it's the first meeting of every year we talk about you know, how special this team is and how committed we are to each other and, you know, leaving something in a bigger place, but it could be anybody's year. So it could be the 2021 year or it could be the 22, 23 year, whatever it is. Um, so that's the very first thing that you see. And then that's the last thing they see when they leave the locker room. Um, I think that's a really good reminder just because if we have a successful year, it helps also turn that page to like, it's awesome that you did that, but let's kind of move on. Um, we also stole a locker room sign from Notre Dame women's basketball. Um, we believe that we, we want to be surrounded by strong women. So we talk about what it's always like to be a strong woman. Um, even our captains, when they go up into huddles, um, we have them do the superwoman pose with their hands on their hips because it's a power pose. Um, so we're really into body language, probably excessively. And um, so we have that sign um, that I think our players really value. And then opposite of that sign, we have a winning wall. So it's from every win of our season. And then it's one snapshot of our photographer that comes to our games. So we're fortunate enough to have um, photography at every games, but it's, 
we try to make it that one defining moment. So, you know, if it's an and one at the end of the game, it's that snapshot. And then that's what won the game for us. So I actually got that from the Cubs. And then, um, then you walk in the second door and then it's our core values. So our core values are joy. Um, we talk about playing the game with joy as much as possible. Don't tell anybody this um, because I'm sure Michelle Chopin would get really upset, but her daughter even got joy tattooed on her, on her leg. No decision. So I don't, um, I think the brainwashing is working a little bit. Um, we talk about valuing competition. Um, you know, with women, we can get catty sometimes and we can be poor losers, kind of like guys too. It's not just absolutely thing. So we just talk about how competition is a really good thing. Um, we don't have to be, we need to value what it brings to the table and, and how we can learn from it. Um, we talk about accountability a lot. So that's the third um, core value. We're a player's program. So um, we try to say that as much as possible. We run a lot of our decisions through the players. Um, so with that, we have to teach a lot of accountability and integrity because they can't say one thing and then do another thing. Um, and then we talk about compassion and mindfulness because a lot of people want to talk, but nobody really wants to listen. So we, we have those um, there. And then we watch a lot of film, a lot, a lot of film. So we project it onto our whiteboard because I, I like to kind of draw up there as well. So it's just right there. And then um, I stole this from Leola, but we have a word wall with all of our language. Um, so really anything that we say, um, any type of uh, any type of our motion actions, but I try to get really creative with, um, you know, like my, my old phrase is like, you know, there's always those AAU coaches that are like rebound, rebound. And you're like, they know to rebound, right? Like, you know, they don't know to maybe reach for the lights or they don't know to like, like that's with verticality. That's kind of what we say, but like, you know, we get playful with our, with our language. So we change our word wall every year and then we have teaching points. Um, so you know, uh, I'm trying to think of one of our teaching points is quality over quantity. Um, so we equated it to like razors, like you don't want to buy the 10 pack of razors. You want to buy the really good razor. Um, so it's a quality razor. I know that's a weird analogy, but my mind's a little bit all over the place. And then with film, um, we splice in anything and everything that we can. Um, sometimes it's a tweet. Sometimes it's a short um, little video. Like I said, we've stolen from um, movies a lot. Um, like we we watched the last scene of Creed um, against our rival going into our rival. Um, it was our last game this year. And um, this that movie scene of the last scene of Creed was actually filmed in one take. So Michael B. Jordan did it all in one take. And that's kind of what we needed to do to win. Like we couldn't play with any mistakes or anything like that. So we spliced that into to our film and edits of Gannon. Um, so our players like it because it keeps film really fresh. Um, so it kind of, and it opens up a dialogue because they've all seen the movie crew, you know. Well, you said a lot of really good things there. I'm thinking I want to go back and hit. So on the <laughs> word wall, is this something throughout the season it grows? Like you're just add, a, a, you know, whenever something pops up that should be on that. And then you guys talk about it as a team when the word is added and why it was added. Coaches, I have to take a minute here to brag on my good friends at Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish is unbelievable. Hundreds of drills you can do with the Dr. Dish shooting machine. 
They track your player's shooting. You can track your team's shooting. The players have the individual app. It is so user-friendly. But I want to make sure you know how you can get a Dr. Dish using their one-year no-interest payment plan. That's what I did. I'm in a small school, not a large budget. I paid half up front, and I paid the remainder over the next year at no interest. So contact Dr. Dish, mention this podcast, receive an extra discount, and they will take care of you. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah. Okay. So like, and and we play with the language because it's it should be a two-way street. So like, there's times where I'm like, I don't want to be that same person that says the same thing over and over and over again, you know? Um, so you know, I'm like, if we said this, does that like make sense? Um, because we always used to just say like straight up, go straight up. And so I actually stole that um, from Leola was reach for the lights because you just go straight up, but like go that little extra because we're not really that athletic yet. Um, so yeah, and, and, you know, and it's a dialogue. Like, it's like, would you guys understand that concept? Like, so we always said no window shopping, right? So like, you know, take away vision on the ball and kind of have, so we now changed it to karate hands. So like, instead of having like, you know, your hands active, it's kind of like you're like, hot, 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 you know? Um, Mr. Miyagi, you, did you put in a uh, Karate Kid <laughs> clip for that? I hope you did. The original Karate Kid, no offense to uh, Jaden Smith. We're going back to Ralph Macchio, if you're going to use that one. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah, we, I mean, we try to, yeah. Um, so it's, it's taught it's, it's in film. So we always supplement it with, with edits. We're really big into positive reinforcement. So our assistants or my assistant, I had to do it under my head coach, but it's a pain because you do have to watch until they do it the right way. But we find that edit and then we kind of watch it on loop, um, all the time. So if it's somebody that actually reached for the lights, you know, we would be like, look at what Meg did. And then, you know, kind of do a highlight, not a highlight, but kind of put something together. That's good. Um, And then the other thing you mentioned was uh, somewhere something about players are decision makers in the program or players get a lot of say. Like I know some coaches hear that and they cringe because it's, you know, some coaches cannot let go. They just can't. So give an example or a couple of examples where, you do that and you sit with it. Do you have like a certain group of players you sit, sit with, like the captains, do you let the whole team have a say? Do you vote? And give us an example of, of when this may, might happen. That's a really good question um, because it does, it, it ebbs and flows. Um, and, and that's how, it, how it, it's how it is every year. It's how it was when I was an assistant under Leanne at Nova. Um, so you know, it always starts with an open dialogue and then it's, it's without a doubt, it's that first game where you see adversity and it's that first game where you're challenged just a little bit, 12 people have an opinion because they don't want to sprint into a show on a ball screen or, you know, there's, they're hugged up on the side and they don't want to sprint into help. So, you know, without a doubt after that game, you know, you call a timeout and then there's 12 people talking. So it's always a teachable moment every season um, because everybody's going to come in with their own thoughts, but it is incredible when you watch it come together. And then they slowly start to realize that like, you're right. All of us are talking, nobody's listening. So then that's kind of when we hit on the compassion and mindfulness um, because there are certain individuals on our team that need to be heard um, to feel valued. 
But then there's certain individuals on our team that know exactly what we need to do, but nobody can hear them because they're not talking loudly enough or they don't have the mic yeah. at the same time. So, and it's always a really uncomfortable ego kind of conversation to have, but the team usually knows who they should listen to. Um, so like our point guard, Emily Chopin, we had that same moment happen this year and we called a timeout and it was like 12 people were talking at once and it was chaos and it was, and we ended up losing the game. Um, and then we go into um, film the very next day. And I was like, lots of, lots of chiefs, huh? And they're all like, yeah, I'm like, sometimes you need to be an Indian, you know, sometimes you need to fall. And I'm not saying that you need to fall in line for, for me, but Shopes knew what to do and nobody could hear her. And you guys aren't valuing each other's opinion. Like, you guys might have all these abstract ideas, but um, simple, like we have a phrase, do simple better. Um, and that's what makes shows a good point guard. So how hard is it? And, and I know that I've talked to a ton of coaches in my own job and on the podcast and things, and everyone talks culture and how hard is it to live it every single day? And I don't say live it as I mean as example. I mean, make sure you stay on top of these pillars. You stay off on your non, you stay on top of your non-negotiables. Yeah. Um, the amount of willpower that it takes for a college coach to get through the entire season is um, like, we're, we still have to sign too. So I haven't had a day off since Christmas because when we have a day off, we're bringing recruits in. So mm -hmm. It's, it is tiring. Um, but you know, I think when you have a culture that is who you are and that is genuine and authentic to you, uh, to you as a person, it's, it's so much easier. Um, a perfect example, like I, I was just a, a very energetic player. Um, and I thought that when I, my last year, I thought that I couldn't really coach with energy because I didn't want to seem like I was an emotional, crazy lady or whatever. And and I thought that I had to be like Leanne, my old boss, and Kim, my old boss. But that's not who I was as a player. And like, that's who I was under them as an assistant, but not who I was as, as a head coach. And once I kind of started to wrap my head around, like, I need to coach with joy, just like I'm asking them to play with joy. Um, you know, if they make a good play, I want to celebrate that moment with them. Um, and I think if anybody were to watch me coach, they'd probably say, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of energy. Um, so I feel like it's, it's easy to embody every day. Um, I think when at our level, we're able to recruit people, um, you know, or we're able to recruit talent, but like we recruit people way more than we recruit. They have to check boxes on talent. Like we're not just winning with nice kids. Right. Um, you know, we, we recruit compassionate and mindful people on the front end, which is a really good a really good thing because where we have the culture now, I feel like everybody truly embodies it. Um, and, and our players are our best recruiters whenever we have a, a visit on campus, but it's to the point now where if one of us is kind of having a bad day, we're like, so, you know, empathetic to that, that we're like, Oh my gosh, you know, are you okay? Did you, you know, now we're all like too nice. So we're like, we're, it's, it's, it comes and goes, you know what I mean? You kind of, you kind of spend some days where you need to preach competitiveness just a little bit more. And then there's some days where they're just, they're going, their bodies can't take it. And they maybe need to be a little bit more mindful of their body. So it's, it's it kind of ebbs and flows um, throughout the entire year. When, when you first took over the program, and again, this is your second year, 
how did you go about establishing the culture with that first group of players you were having? And when you walked on campus and met with them for the first time, did you talk about it the, the first meeting and how did you go about establishing this, um, you know, taking over a new university? Um, yeah, I mean, I talked about it on my interview. Like I was really upfront with them. Um, you know, it is because it is a player's program, believe it or not. Like there are some players that don't want that. Like there are some players that are like, look, I want you to get in my face. I want you to yell at me. I want you to, you know, stay on me and I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to be way more of a, of like a support system. Yeah. And um, just, that's just how I am. Um, so, you know, I, what I said on my interview is exactly, I think what, um, you know, they got, um, just because it was the only way I knew how to do it. Um, and then throughout the summer, you know, I was tweeting, I was, cause they were following me or they were watching what I was doing anyway. So you kind of had to subliminally kind of start brainwashing them summer you invite a few to camp and you're, you're, you know, you're teaching them our drills, but a few of the local players kind of worked our camp and were like, okay, this, she's really kind of like this. And then come preseason, it was, it was talked about excessively. Um, we probably talked culture way, way, way more than X's and O's um, that first year. So it was a lot, a lot of building blocks. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Cause I know coaches, couple of thoughts I had going back to what you said a few minutes ago about um, your pillars and how you are enthusiastic, your compassion, like you live the pillars that you were talking about. You, you are mindful. You sometimes I think coaches have pillars or foundations of culture, but it just doesn't fit them. And so then they're trying to force it. I think there's a fine line. I, you know, people say be your personality, but sometimes our personality isn't that great. Like we need to grow as coaches, but for example, you know, if a coach has enthusiasm as one of their as one of their um, uh, standards, but yet they're they're just really introverted, monotone, and all that. And I know they say, "Well, I'll just hire enthusiastic assistants." I get it, but I think we have to not try to steal pillars from Virginia or Mercyhurst or whoever. You've got to sit down and figure out what's good for your program, your type of kids, your community, your school and and go from go with it from there just a thought i had as you were talking and you can change absolutely those are your core values like last year like we didn't have accountability last year we added accountability um we kind of merged a couple of them you know but we talk about joy we talk about competition so you you don't have to be married to those you know you should be changing words out that you're growing into yeah and every group is different yeah like our core is always going to be mental toughness, extra effort. We're always put it everywhere. I think that's, that's kind of, you know, um, that's branded everywhere, you know, but we only added accountability because of COVID because I think we were all coming back to campus. So I'm like, how are we going to get better? If we can't be a, like, you got to hold each other. So it should grow, you know? No, that's good. Well, going back to, and, and go back a little bit, as you were an assistant, how are you, kind of investing in and trying to, uh, I guess, build a, a leadership into your assistant coach as well. And I'm assuming you give them the freedom and flexibility, kind of like you received it when you were at, you know, in Fort Lauderdale, but how do you work to also build the, the program of the players, but also invest in your staff? 
If you are a coach who runs camps and clinics, I'd like to introduce you to Inner Pro Sports. Coaches everywhere are using Inner Pro to provide their campers with individualized strength and conditioning, mental performance training, and personal nutrition metrics all to their phone. It's easy to implement and will make your camp more profitable. To learn more, email them at train at innerpro.com. That's train at innerpro, I-N-N-E-R pro.com. It's a great question. Um, I am really fortunate. We have a, um, an assistant and a GA, um, but our um, assistant, she wants to be good. So she always wants to be coached on how to do better and, and what she can do and what areas she can grow in. Um, and so I kind of just put her through what I went through, you know, um, I was, she's really timid on the phone. So I'm like, first of all, you got to pick up the phone. And you got to call coaches. Like you got to get, you're going to be a recruiter. Like you've got to get comfortable on the phone. So, you know, she's, she's growing and she's learning. Um, but I try to, I mean, I give her as much freedom as I can. That's kind of within the, the stuff that can't get fired for, you know? So like, I like the, the injury report, I do the eligibility, I do, you know, academics and stuff. Um, she does a little bit more of like the recruiting side of things, but she's actually pretty calm. Like, she's not like me, like we're kind of a little bit opposite and, um, but she gets her energy from players and, you know, all she wants to do is be a really good post coach. So um, she's reaching out to college coaches and trying to grow her game there. Um, But like going back to like how she kind of fits in the culture, you know, she, she serves as much as I would serve the players. Um, And it's awesome to see because now the players are serving each other. So like they will help each other get all their bags off the bus, which in our first year, wasn't necessarily like that. Our players help carry all the bags off of the bus. Um, It's just a really, really good culture, but that's because, you know, our staff really will serve in any way possible for, for our team. That's good. That's important. Before um, I let you get off here, I want to ask you about, are you still tracking high fives and positive touches? And again, this is how I met Coach Coleheim doing a. She was doing a, a presentation for PGC Glacier uh, Clinics. So, are you are you still tracking those things on film and huddles and body language, or or is, at some point can you track and do everything? You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of like I was a nerd about it. So my head coach was like, you know, take it and run and see what you can do with it. Um, so you know, I don't know if it was before or after, um, uh, PGC, um, but it actually got picked up by the APA, the American psychology, um, association. Yeah. So I actually had to present on it in Denver. (laughs) Nice. It was kind of cool because, you know, some people really were interested in like flow as the like psychological phenomenon and how it, it kind of tactically, um, with touches kind of correlated, I had no idea what I was talking about. I was just like, look, we got better as teammates by doing right, right. Um, but I was there for like the comic relief, probably. But um, to answer your question, I am not there, believe it or not, there's just too many things to do as a head coach. Yeah. Just can't I've, get I thought about that. I mean, one time we had a practice, I think it's last couple of years. I told the kids, I said, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna count every high five and every positive touch throughout practice. I'm not going to lie. It was exhausting. Oh yeah. Because you're trying to watch 
spent on six goals. You're trying to watch. And I, I counted and make sure. And I did that. But I was like, man, if I was to say I was going to do this every game, you just don't have the time or the staff. And I'm, and some coach listening is doing it because they can multitask and they've got, they, they can fit more in their day than I can. But your presentation was great um, yeah. back then. But, <laughs> but I think there's something to be said for positivity, positive words, positive touch, uh, slap on the back, a high five, a fist bump, all that does matter, but it's hard to track. <laughs> it's, it, it is, it's, it's, you know, we did it that year because we had a group that were, were nerds. So yeah. you can put a number in front of it. And if you couldn't like statistically evaluate it, they weren't going to buy in, you know, they were right. like programmers, they were like future dentists. So they're, they're just, they were STEM kind of oriented people. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like we just, we, how we promote it now, instead of it being statistics, um, we have a, like a sports center top 10 after every game, because win or loss, there's always a top 10. Um, So it's actually kind of fun because the girls would always be like, Hey, I wonder what number one is, you know, and then they start fighting for it. But Usually number one is like our bench reaction or a really good high five or, you know, always something that's kind of like that. So it's another way of, again, subliminal messaging, but um, you know, it's, it's nailing the point home. I, it's interesting that you said that though, because um, we have coaches that remember the Ted talk that have come up to me at some of our games and they're like, Hey, I'm on your newsletter. And I'm like, Hey, nice to meet you, you know, or, Hey, I saw your Ted talk and, your team actually does really touch each other a lot. Yeah, That's awesome. Cause if we haven't even, it's what we do every day, you know, right. Right. Put a stat by it. Well, you're big time. That took you all over the place. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. It did. It's, it's amazing when you get one idea, you know, some people are so scared to kind of follow through with that one idea. Yeah. And we kind of just, again, I was fortunate enough to have a really good head coach that was like, you need to take this and run. And it could be your, your kind of MO. So it has, which is great. So you mentioned the newsletter. Do you mind mentioning how coaches can get on your, the newsletter is awesome coaches. I mean, I'm only, I only do one or two newsletters cause I just don't have time, but I definitely do coach Kohlheims. Can you mind mentioning how they can get on your newsletter? Um, yeah, you could, um, you could, or I can put it in the show notes or whatever. Yeah. If you wanted to do that, it's my email address. So if anybody um, wanted to email me, um, it's just my first name, B-R-O-O-K, my last name, K-O-H-L-H-E-I-M at Gmail. And just tell me you want to subscribe and I'll put yeah, you. Yeah, I'll put it in the notes because um, it's been a great, I actually have a file on my computer because you stopped doing it for a little while, didn't you? So that first year I just was swamped. I mean, you were, we had to recruit seven. Yeah. And um, teaching everything. So I was just like, I kind of had to go into a little hiatus. And truthfully, what happened was I was out recruiting in July and Sam Purcell, he's an assistant at Louisville, comes running up to me and he was like, Brooke. And I'm like, you usually don't say hi to me, like in front of everybody, you know, you're like big time, you know? And yeah, he's like, no, um, you got to stop doing your newsletter because it's copyright infringement because I was attaching, I was putting like clinic notes as attachments. So I originally stopped it for like a year because of copyright infringement laws. And then so I- So you were, what were you, so you were putting attachments from other clinics or other- Yeah, just like anything that I could find on the internet. Or an article. 
or anything? Yeah, yeah. anything, but I wasn't, all you can do now is just add the link for the article. So that's kind of how I picked it. Oh, up. right. That's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what it you is. You just can't now. put the, you just can't put the physical article in. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like something like $50 per, per uh, recipient. And that's like, I'm up to like a lot of recipients. Like I'm up to a lot. So it would be, I would not be in college coaching. I'd be. <laughs> right. For everything. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put your information um, in, in the show notes. Well, coach, thanks for coming on and talking culture and really your move from assistant to head coach and what that was like. And I think you have a lot of, uh, good advice and tips that maybe a coach picks up one or one or two. I mean, because you would definitely have a unique perspective. I think the visualization and putting a clip in some different things in, in uh, film time, it, it would be good to kind of keep it uh, just moving and not be so lack of a better word, boring sometimes, you know, exactly. throw a movie, like throw a little Braveheart clip in there, uh, saving yeah. private Ryan, uh, whatever, you know? Yep. Karate Kid. I mentioned that one before. Feel free to take that one. Just don't get fined fifty dollars or for it. Or <laughs> yeah. So, well, we look forward to following you guys uh, this next season, and I hope all our seasons go a little more smooth, and we can just have a normal schedule and not have so many games at one time, and and, and teams canceling at us on us about once a week. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, you know, let me know if you guys ever need anything. Um, if you reach out, I usually. I, if you need anything too, I can, I have a file of anything you really need. So if you guys ever need anything, just let me know. I'm always happy to help. Sounds good. Thank you. Yes, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review and also leave a comment about what you enjoyed most about today's guest. I hope you'll join us on our next episode.